This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. 164th minute of Michael Mann's 1995 crime opus. And as I've been heading into this run-up, just you would have just heard an episode with Film Freak Central's Walter Chaw, one of the world's great film critics. And now, one of the best Australian film critics, I think, working for many years and a huge friend of this show and a heat aficionado of like the tallest order that I almost demanded uh, that he be a part of this as, uh, as we wrapped up. And I remember when I said, I'd love you to come for one last you know, dance on this show. Uh, my current guest said, oh, what minute are you thinking? And I said the minute, and I told him what happened in the minute, and he just wrote back a single word, shit. <laughs> so it is with a great pleasure that I welcome back the incredible television and film critic for The Age and SMH and The Monthly and creator of Binger, which is a free newsletter that is awesome um, if you want incredibly insightful bite-sized reviews, at CM Screens on Twitter, Craig Matheson. Welcome back for the final time to One Eight Minute. I can't believe it's over. It's ending. Um, <laughs> Here we know, are. I, I thought I thought at least you would extend it, you know, into the into the deleted scenes or something, so we could all, you know, like all good junkies, we could hang on for one more fix. <laughs> no, but we have to go cold turkey soon. Very yeah, it's going to go cold. It's going to go cold, and I can say right now, there's a great guest of the show. Recently, he's the head of film at Sydney Film School. Michael McLennan came on and talked on the show, which is awesome. We're unpacking and dissecting a minute. And Michael said, look, if you're ever going to extend the show, he asked me this question in an email. If you're ever going to extend the show to like cover, just you know, do a, like a mini series on the Heat soundtrack, I'd love to come on. And I just wrote back to him, there is no way that I'm doing that. <laughs> there is no way. <laughs> and in the nicest possible way. There is no way I'm doing that. This, uh, you know, um, we're definitely just for for everyone. You know, we're in the it's the 164th minute. There will be two more pre-credits minutes. In fact, the 166th minute actually has a, a flash of credits in it. Um, a small flash, a few, you know, maybe 10 seconds of credits, and that's the credits on the show. And uh, so, as we're heading into now, this shadow dance, my friend Neil McCauley, Vincent Hanna, you and me. Right here in this moment. Uh, bring up the lights. Bring up the airport lights. Bring up the airport lights. Ladies and gents, the awesome Craig Matheson, a huge part of the show and a great guest that many of you have heard along the way um, and I are just about to see, to, I don't know, to dive into the conclusion of this incredible epic together. And we, uh, we, we started talking early. We started talking early. We were in the, in the heist we're in some of the important scenes, and uh, and the most important one of the most important. We're right here, so thank you for being a part of it, guys. If this is your first episode, welcome. You've got a lot of catching up to do. If this is your hundred and sixty fourth minute of One Heat Minute, and you've been following along, god damn it, thank you. You're unbelievable. Um, 
and uh, let's just have a listen along. Craig and I are going to watch it together, and then you guys are going to hear us talk about it. I just I feel like I'm back in the the cinema where I first saw the film for the very first time like a big nearly yeah. no it was a screening room the first time but the first time I saw it in a commercial cinema I was hardly anyone there it was a odd odd hour of the day and just being back there and, and just the size of that scene and then you know realizing this is how the film is really going to end it's going to end with the loss of one of them and that there's no, and, that, and then you realize, of course, it was always going to end this way. There is no, there is no way out for both of them. It's only who finds that it's only which one of them finds their way out at the expense of the other one. And it's so reflexive. Vincent's shot is so reflexive. He's defied by his shadow. And that first shot, I think a lot of people, when they remember it, they, re, they have like that misremembering. You know, like they talk about with Tarantino when they, people are sure that they see an ear get cut off in Reservoir Dogs. And it's like in this movie, there's like this misremembering. Like he's just certain. He's got that focus and intent and he takes him down. But it's so reflexive. It's just a beautiful final touch that he's there. He's got his gun and he sees the shadow and he loosely just points the gun and takes a shot. And when he sees that it's him, mm. his entire body what? comes into focus. And then there's the crispness and the slow down and the very... You know, Michael Mann is a Peckinpah guy. It's like it's the Peckinpah moment. This is the mm. moment that needs to be elevated. And Pacino's whole face is the screen, and it's just unbelievable. Well, the thing that struck me just doing the final recap today of watching the lead up to it is how how drawn out and how how tense the it feels. You know, you think the airport chase is quick. The airport chase is maybe six to eight minutes six to eight minutes it's 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 drawn out and so you know you're incredibly tense by the time you get to this point you know and you can see on their faces they're making decisions as they go you know neil is is literally trying to find that spot you know because he's boxed in you know it happened to him he got boxed (laughs) in and he's looking for that spot where he's gonna for an ambush so you know he's you know you can you can see him trying to find a way out of this and it just adds to the tension and, you know, I'm fascinated by the idea, looking at it now, that Neil is much more untethered and bothered than Vincent is. Vincent is locked in, and I think Neil is 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 not. It's, um, you know, what he's gone through with Edie is obviously just taking him, taking him out of it for a moment, and he's, and he's off balance perpetually here. Yeah, we're, you know, seven minutes prior to this, 157th minute crescendos with Neil catching Vincent 
So it has been seven minutes to this point. And there's a smile and a satisfaction. He takes off his tie. He takes off his tie, Craig, and he just like lets it loose. And he's smiling at Edie, and she's panicked. Like she's like relieved, and she's been panicked this whole time. It's been agony in the car. There's people, there's cops, there's helicopters. And when he catches him, it's in that moment he's, Vincent's got him from that moment because he's disturbed. And I love what you said. He's, he is boxed in. He is, he's been tormented now. And Vincent, even with the two guns, he's got more lead time on him. And he, he's just, he can't believe that he's there. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, the guy who doesn't make mistakes makes a mistake, and it's it's like that's an existential crisis for him. <laughs> you know, aside from the fact that his future life that he sort of clawed together in terms of the money, the way out, a, a woman he wanted to share that life with, has all has that he's walked away from. He's huh. done it. He's, he's the discipline's there. He did it. He's walked away from it, but he can't. He can't just put it out of his mind. So, you know, you see it even in the way he goes over the fence at the airport. You know, he's he's staggered a little bit. You know, it's it's like an unfair pursuit because you know there's there's the purposeful purposefulness of of Vincent, and there's just that there's something a little ragged about Neil, and finally ragged. The guy who's yeah. unshakable, like he's an yeah. ice man penetrating that hotel. He's an ice man. Mm. And just, the, the insane amount of risk he does, and then, then to sort of, I think, for him to realise to spend that to be running. I mean, he's running from Vincent, but I think he's also running from his mistake, and his hubris, and you know, and running from the, you know, the idea that there's no out now. So, it's 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 quite sort of it's terrifying for him. I think it's and it, that just adds to the tension for us. Yes, and and still is so much of the scene where. Like in the open, Vincent, and they've got like that direct line of sight. And then once they get into this little cluster that happens over about two, three minutes, this beautiful, uh, I think I called it in the previous episode, a shadow dance, and that's exactly what it is. Um, and that shadow dance that's been going on is even more tense because Vincent's unrelenting. He's like, this guy won't, <laughs> this guy won't stop. <laughs> like he's still coming. And then once he thinks he's got him, there's something satisfying about that. Like he he again has the hubris of I've got the upper hand now. You know I've got the I've got the lights in the eyes. He's going to not be able to see me, and it's that also that Vincent knows the way that he thinks. He's going to be capitalizing on something in the environment that's going to distract me. There's going to be this misdirection. Mm. And then instinctively, Vincent sees something that's wrong, and he just goes, boom, mm. makes the shot. The first well, one. Yeah, the first one one-handed and then clicks into two hands. But I think, and what's interesting to note is that, let's be clear, Neil is Neil is intending to shoot Vincent in the side or back. <laughs> yes. It's not, it's not a, you know, it's not a gunfight with a quick draw competition. He's, he's going to, gonna, whatever's necessary. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, I think what's the quote from the, from when they're in the in the cafe, you know, I will not hesitate, not for a second. You know, he's gonna. There's a flip side to that coin, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> There's a flip side to that uh, coin. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's fascinating. I mean, and I also must say, you know, LAX, like, maybe clean up a little because that is one of the strangest <laughs> sort of 
airport spaces I've ever seen. You know, it's like it seems to be like some sort of drop cargo bays or something like it's a very strange spot it's, um, it, it looks like a, an outpost on a on another planet it doesn't it even look real science fiction yeah, yeah. It's it's like sci- a, a junk pile or something from a you know a soldier or, or something not to go too out there um but uh you know i suppose what we'll come back to is just it's the final the most intimate way for them to meet i mean the way that they make sense of the world is ultimately how they make sense of each other at the end. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that there are, there's, it's, it's funny that we get to this moment and you say, you know, he has inspired so many filmmakers and so many films and so many of them are bad, <laughs> but some are very good. And, you know, the best one of the, the pick of the litter is like Dark, The Dark Knight, which is a tremendous film, Ta- owes a lot to heat. Um, and you think about the Joker and Batman moment in that moment and, you know, it could be that Tim Burton-esque, the Joker flies out the window and t- goes to his death, but instead it's, it ends up, the, the kind of intimacy and the agony is that you know that they need to face off, but you, unlike in heat, where you know and, and one of them reflexively is going to put the other one down. In in Batman universe, maybe it's because we're superheroes and we love comics and we love superhero movies and in superhero movies you love this. It's like you don't want him to kill the best villain. Like it's just impossible, right? So in that moment, the world literally, Chris Nolan drags him back from his death and tips him, and tips him and Batman's conception of the world upside down to just relish in his chaos. You and mm. I are going to do this forever. Mm. And in a fantasy world, that's exactly what we want. Mm. And if Heat was a fantasy world, Vincent would shoot Neil in the arm, yes, and then and take him in. But you know, there's not a hesi- not a moment of hesitation to go from the first shot to another two, and then to steady himself for really just a absolute to well, it's the nail in the coffin shot, the fourth shot, yes. which I think is right. On the heart, basically. Yes. Um, you know, there's no, there's no stopping there. Um, there's no letting it go or letting it, or letting any possibility come into it. It's, and then of course to hold that look on on Pacino's face is to sort of see that dedication, that acceptance, and just that something else that you're never quite sure of. Is it, you know, not joy or maybe it is joy or satisfaction, but just that sense that something has has come into him by doing this in the, in, in this sort of extreme way. It's, and it's also the other film that is actually a copy of a copy that I want to reference. I haven't spoken about it in the whole of this show, but Sam Mendes talked about Skyfall and he said, when I saw the dark Knight, I realized I could do a James Bond movie that had some things that wanted, we wanted to say about the state of the world um, Mm -hmm. and do it. And, and one of the, the things that got heaped on, heaped in praise upon Skyfall is the way that it starts so massive and the scale is so epic and then it just ends in a tiny church on a moor with the with the shadows of a the shadows and the and, and the sort of luminescent sort of glow of a of fire a house ablaze and when James Bond walks in and his big villains holding you know, M there and is, uh, you know, ready to do sort of a murder-suicide to in, in the most glorious and overly dramatic fashion. 
James Bond doesn't hesitate, not for a second. He throws a knife in his back, right? He just shoots <laughs> straight in his back. And it's deeply satisfying too, right? Because you want him as the assassin to do that thing. Just come in and this guy's got to die to save other people. And so, you know, when I see this moment, the things that I relish about it, that are the differences particularly in, in, in Skyfall and particularly in Dark Knight is exactly what you're talking about it's that beautiful ambivalent question mark that is etched in the lines of pacino's face which literally swarms the entire screen which is what the hell is he feeling right now and it's not satisfaction and i would say it's not joy and it might have flecks of joy in it like it's the especially the way he breathes it's it's like it's he's being satiated in some way but as soon as he puts that gun down, and especially the way that he sort of he he almost staggers toward Neil. He He's does like, stagger. That is that is literally the, in my notes. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's almost like a he's been it's like a weight's lifted from him in a way. Yeah, I think I think perhaps you know his purposefulness is there, but there's also there, there must be a seed of doubt there. Whether it's uh, you know is this guy better than me? You know, he's obviously going to try and kill me and maybe he's better than me. You know, maybe I don't have the advantage. Maybe I'm not the, the top sort of gun in this situation. So even though he's driven to go forward, it's 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 going forward into doubt. So I think there is I think there is a, a smidgen of satisfaction as much as there's a touch of despair as well. Um, but you're yeah. right about before and after. There's, you know, it's this, it's one of the great bits of physical acting in the film and especially to when the close-up is framed so tight and then to go out to that full length sort of body shot where, you know, it's like he's going to trip over a rock or something. Yes. Uh, it's just a great, a great thing. And I think, and the best shot is the first time they're both in shot together, that incredibly beautiful shot from above and to the side, like you're on top of a container or something. Yeah. One of those weird things. And they're both in the shot and, and Vincent is walking towards Neil and it's sort of, it, he's on the same angle as the shadows and it's like he's almost walking towards an ending of a life, of a film, and just of where the light ends. So, you know, it's just the balance of the shots in, in this section is so good. It's, you know, it never wallows, but and it always, each shot just opens up a different way of looking at the two of them or, or each of them individually. It's quite, um, you know... It's be so tempting to have more, but it's just there's a touch of restraint and always information and always another way of looking at these two men. And it's just, it's like I've talked about a couple of times, but like this is the fulcrum of this universe that we're just at, you know, like all of the tension, every single minute of all these relationships, all this collateral damage of innocence and people who aren't so innocent and escape and death and money and chaos and ruined relationships is like leaning on the knife's edge in this moment and then he hits that he pulls that trigger and you are there's a relief of the the action but the weight is still of like Vincent having to be there as the lone person to carry it there's no more Neil you know there's you know Vincent's crew's bro, you know Vincent's crew's you know, uh, um, uh, you know, on to the next thing. He's got the fallout of all of the crap that's going to come from all of his <laughs> harebrained schemes to snatch this guy and capture him. 
um, that are potentially going to be there. But I just look at this whole mounting weight of this and all the tension and the sheer roars of the planes when you see this in a cinema, the roars of the planes coming overhead. It's just, it's a disorientating scene. It's just like, I feel like Vincent walking right now talking to you. I feel Mm. like, whoa, that's just, this is it. This is it. Well, they've held each other up. So, you know, they've taken, you know, they've lost this, they've lost what's holding each of them up, which is the other person. You know, they're, you know, it's a relationship that's ended. I mean, it's it's a <laughs> an extreme form of a relationship, but it's it's probably been the most an intimacy and a connection, and you know, that's each is who the other has thought about the most for this really intense period of time. You know, these few few weeks. You know, it's like an it's like a, a you know a love affair that just explodes. And as much as it's a clash, it's also a connection. And, you know, and then it's over. You know, it's, it's, they've really, it's a very serious breakup. Uh, <laughs> it's more serious than, <laughs> it's not this. There's no like little cute, you know, gesture to like, let's cut this off. Let's cut, you've got to cut you loose with a hand. There's a punctuation, yeah, no, there's a punctuation no, with no about four. On, on phone on this one. No, there's no ghosting on your phone. <laughs> see ya. Um, yeah, C and then U. There's none of that. There's just four bullets. And the fourth mm. one, the pacing of that fourth shot is just... They're giving that, that little pause, that taking the breath, the steadying, the, the professionalism sort of kicking in, but also that determination to finish, um, to not leave any sort of to leave it not to leave it out so it's um and you know and i think the fourth bullet i think i'm you know maybe i imagine this but you always sense that that neil knows what's happened with three bullets and that the fourth is is that's it there's no turning back from the fourth he knows exactly where it goes from here oh yeah and you get the sense that maybe neil's taken a shot in his career before right Oh, absolutely! You know, and there's and the and the three, the one, two, three is frantic. Like the first one is there, the second two are frantic as he's steadying up, and that fourth one has the most, you know, has the most sort of um, penetration. It's just like that's the that's the kill shot, and he he takes it, and then there's just the pause and yeah, this I don't know. I love his face. I love. You know, this is what cinema is all about, like to be pouring in, like usually on an epic scale, to pour into someone's face and just read their whole life and everything that's happening in that character's conception and understanding. And obviously the we love this film so much because of the incredible body of work baggage that we get with these lads, like both these guys, you know, every you're looking at you're absolutely looking at Pacino and De Niro in this and their whole styles just reflecting through the characters but you know there's something even more special that they get to disappear into Vincent Hanna and Neil McCauley in this movie too like they're not just playing you know it's not just Scarface it's not just Michael Corleone or you know it's not just um, Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver it's like it's these guys and these characters and and the fact that in the lines of their face there's all this other stuff happening and I just 
It's uh, it's pretty heartbreaking. It's actually heartbreaking to talk to you about it because as we're talking, you're like, it's the end of a relationship. It's this, and I feel like, I feel like maybe we're putting a gun to this podcast right now as we're talking about it. We're right here. We're staggering. We're staggering towards the finish. Yeah, and what's and what's interesting about what you say is that you know the the film gives us very little about Neil. You know, I think there's a there's a few there's a few of few lines from his record recounted in the diner, but we know very little about Neil Macaulay, um, really. You know, it's only what we've picked up about his intent and his actions, his motivations in the moment. We know very little about his life, and then, but somehow by by this by the this minute, we know everything about Neil Macaulay because perhaps it's because we know he's just lost everything. And that's that's what De Niro gives us, the idea of whatever I had you might not know, but whatever's been taken from me is everything. And that's and you can't hide that. So, you know, it's it's almost one of those moments when man who's such a filmmaker who who gives you everything defined through the movement, the action, actually pauses. I mean, Neil can't move. You know, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a move, he can't move, and suddenly you've got to you've got to accept that like him that there's no more plays there's no there's no more there's no more outs um and that everything's gone and he just gets down to his elemental you know not to tread too much on the toes in the next minute but i told you i was never going back <laughs> i told you i was never going back mm. and you know everyone and yeah you're right we shouldn't we shouldn't go there but um but it's yeah it's amazing to carry that and to, to give everything about this character with so little sort of, you know, a lesser film would have had, you know, reams of background information or, or you know, people are, you know, saying how incredible he is, Neil is, as an adversary. But, you know, we just discern that in every, in every way, you know, the swiftness of his movement, his counterintelligence is everything. And then to take that away is just such a shock. Yeah. Um, and then, but also because we know the shock is coming, which makes the shock all the more worse. <laughs> it's it's so funny because it's 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 funny and heartbreaking. It's because you know that great Hitchcockian quote of you know, and it's it's sort of his idea of suspense is like you know if there's a bomb under the table. And you know there's a bomb under the table. I'm going to get 15 minutes of suspense out of you. And what you realize, I think, as we finalize this, you know, the 164th minute of this movie is you realize that for 164 minutes, we knew that this was the only way that it could end, but you didn't know. You know know what I mean? It's like you knew, you feel like you know, and there's this ethereal thing where you're like, it is going to come to this. And I think for those who genuinely get wrapped up in this really just glorious epic for those of us that actually get wrapped up in it you go no this is the only way it's going to end like these two guys and the minute vincent catches him in his eye line and he runs away from eddie you're like oh my god we're here like i can't believe that these guys are going to do a showdown and like you said the 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 much more overtly romantic 
um, version is like an old Western showdown, you know, face to face. But no, it's like, we're, you know, Neil's us too. Like we're in denial because in this moment, we've seen these guys separate so many times and there's the great conflict now that finally we're seeing Vincent in pursuit and Neil in pursuit. And so the whole time we've been on Neil's side when Neil's on screen and the whole time we're on Vincent's side and it's one of those first times of the movie where they're both on screen at the same time. So you desperately want Vincent to catch him and you also ferociously want Neil to get away. And so... I just feel like every every step, every every stalk, it's you know v- Vincent at his highest point, his strongest, his most elemental version, and and Neil following the programming to a T, finally actually listening to what his head has been saying, which is leave when the heat's around the corner, not go have a coffee with the heat, not like do this job even though you should leave. It's like actually the heat is around the corner. I've got to get out of here, and and he just. You know, he's going to drown. He's going to drown. You know, mm. he's, he hasn't got enough time. Mm. It's, um, you know, it, you, you keep looking at it and you think, was there ever a way out? And, and of course, there wasn't. Um, you know, Not for him. Not for Neil McCauley. No. For, for us in all of the, for, for the disciples of Neil McCauley, there's a thousand ways you should have told him to go. No, go back to Chicago. Go somewhere else. But Neil's not going to do that. He had a big score in mind. He had his fantasy land. As Bill Chambers, the great editor of FilmFreakCentral.net, said, he had his first girlfriend. He's not getting out of here. He's got his first girlfriend. You know, so beautifully. It's like it's not It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He, he, he thinks he's as good as Vincent thinks that he is. Both, they're just good. It's like it would be like, you know, Muhammad Ali standing in a pub and a drunk guy, you know, who they originally, a drunk guy trying to pick a fight with him. And it's like, mate, this is not a good idea for you. Just to, just to frame this really, this is not a good idea for you to fight this guy. Like, there's 20 other guys in here you should fight before him. Um, and so I think that they just have, you know, that hubris that you talked about. I think it's, I don't know what the difference between is cockiness and confidence. Cockiness implies that you don't, you're, you're not as capable, and the confidence is that you know you're capable. And I love that both of these guys, they just exude confidence but it's from aptitude and that's what michael mann has in his films he has great characters who've got levels of confidence um and and he demonstrates the aptitude even if it's a character that's like you know i think of jamie fox and collateral you know how long is it going to take and he's like whatever he says like 13 minutes to get to here he's like 13 not 14 not 12 like 13 minutes and he's like yeah 13 minutes it's gonna take 13 minutes and it takes 13 minutes and you know there's those even just the little things that just shows aptitude. And I think these guys, with all their aptitude, with everything that's happening, you feel like Neil should be able to get away. And conversely, you feel like Vincent should catch him and should have caught him earlier than this. But now that it's in this moment, we get that entanglement again. It's that great, beautiful thing of like, all right, here we go. Mm. Here we go. And you kind, of, you kind of wonder, you know, would either of them, I think you, you almost hope that someone in some way slips or falters or does something that breaks them up. But of course... You know, it's like it's like at that point, it's like two magnets. You know, yes. they're just, you know, there's a magnetic attraction between them almost, and it has been for the whole film. I mean, you know, that that idea of you know, there's so much movement in heat and sort of traversing the city, and then you know, to end up in, you know, roads are so key to heat, and then suddenly they're in a place without roads. You know, they've got they've got past all of that where we're going we don't need roads they've just got to run they've got to run through here and they've got to and again another you know you talk about roads like we're in the the most epic and grandiose transient space in la lax we're in the airport watching planes fly and leave we're watching this you talk about transit like everything is movement 
and the very movement of these planes coming back in is the trigger to you know to trigger to this crescendo. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever made such rapid progress through LAX before. (laughs) I tell you what, if you can point me to the fence so that I don't have to go through customs the next time I visit, I'll be good with running through the fields. I'll I'll take a run, a Macaulay-esque run. I think I'm prepared to take a run and jump a jump a hedge. No, not in uh, post 9/11 world. That doesn't exist. I'll be shot. I won't just be shot by like one guy who's pursuing me relentlessly for you know 163 minutes, but I'll be shot by a thousand TSA officers at the same time with a drone strike to follow. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> one of those. Oh my god, I'm a bit flawed watching this with you, Craig. It's kind of crazy. It's one of those things, you know, I never thought that as I got to this point, I would think that I didn't have enough time to talk about heat. But here we are. Mm. Well, it, makes you, it also makes you think about the different times you've seen it. I mean, you know, you you watch that scene at different points in your life. You know, I remember, you, you know, you see it on release and that's, so we're talking almost, almost 25 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think you watch it as a young man, and you remember the adrenaline and the shock, and you don't perhaps think as much when you're young about the totality of it, and then you start watching it when you have more in your life in terms of people you're tied to or commitments you've made, and then you start to sense just what Neil and Vincent have risked, and then you watch it as you get older and you and you have a sense of mortality and you have a sense of finality and then it's a completely different thing again. So, you know, it's a, it's, you know, you can watch that film every, watch that one minute every couple of years and you will have a completely different emotional reaction to it. And it just grows. It's just growing on, growing on me uh, every time I watch it. And also so great to continue watching it. So my most recent viewing of Heat in its entirety was at Randwick Ritz Cinema in Sydney and 35mm print. And it was exquisite. It was a great print for a print that's like 24 years old at this point. And uh, I was watching it and my friend Kalel was sitting next to me. And he he was watching the whole last minutes. I'm just putting my hand up to my face like this to show Craig what I mean. He's like he was watching it through the gaps in his fingers. And, you know, as we got into this moment, I kind of watched him then put his hand down and sort of like almost with relief, like he'd been watching through his hands. It was tense. The planes were deafening. The sound at the Ritz was incredible. It was like screaming through the air. And we get to this moment, and at the end of it, as it crescendos, we're heading into the credits, and he was just, you know, he was marveling at, like, wow, like, this is an incredible movie. It was his first time seeing the movie, and I was watching him live it out, and I was watching this scene unfold, and I was just thinking, like, you know, you don't realize the amount of tension just in everything. From the moment of that phone call in the in the tunnel with Neil, which is, like, 20 minutes earlier than this, there is so much happening. There are so many things that are going on in this in this scene, and it's just out. It's out of control. It's um, yeah. It's 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 just so good. Finality, mm. totality. It's, it's and the economy. I mean, not to you know, Neil never gets a shot off. It's not a it's not a skill thing. It's it's not a it's not a a matter of 
you know, tactical awareness in the end. It's it's a it's a shock to both of them, and you know that's I think that's a that's a deeper way of looking at it that you know in the end neither of them can fully control the the world, the environment, the individuals they interact with as much as they want to. In the end, it's a, it's a random it's a random factor that that makes the difference, and it, and it falls Vincent's way over Neil, but it's purely random, which I think is is you know it's kind of fitting because you know to have planned and acted and and steered all your parts all this time you know you can't eventually deny that life has a use for you that you're not going to <laughs> particularly want to lean into but it's just what it is and that's and that's where it gets you to and this movie has been relishing random factors like it does in a way that I think a lot of movies don't. Like it loves, you know, it relishes in a, it relishes in, you know, a random factor of someone's sadism with Wango. It relishes in a police car driving past that allows him to escape. It relishes in a, a cop, Captain Hydration, as he's called by Mr. Joe Lynch, you know, um, sitting down in a van too loudly. You know, like just those random acts that you're like, it, it, it relishes in how... Wayne Grove intersects with Van Sant. Like, how did that happen? And even Neil's perplexed, insanely perplexed. I think it makes sense with the universe that it's a random factor. Like, these guys prepared to the, within an inch of their life, and this space is a foreign space. Mm. You know, exactly as you put it, he's coming out, and he's not he's, his whole body's not even out. He hasn't been even able to make the whole shot. He's like, he's keeping himself in cover until the moment where he feels like Vincent's blinded, and it's only a sliver of his shadow coming out. It's like his shoulder and his elbow. It's not even his gun yet, necessarily, peeking out from there, and Vincent catches it, and it's just instantaneous. Like, because he, you know, in, in true Macaulay style, he wants to make that shot. For him, he's not going to take a flurry of shots like Vincent. He's going to take one shot. He wants to get Vincent in his sights and just put him down. He wants to not hesitate, but he wants to put him down. Um, and Vincent has to, you know, he has to do it messy. He has to mm. do it messy because it's more improvisational for him in that moment. Mm. Just bang, flips the, flips the gun out, catches him, and then it's intent. He goes from mm. improvisational to intent because he, he sort of finds the... He finds the target by this random act, but it's, mm. it, it makes perfect sense with all the lovely intangible factors that kind of steer this story, even though it's all, the universe is all speaking to this moment, bringing these guys together. The universe is calling surrender to this moment. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you get, there's a massive collision at the start with the, with the, the tow truck and the armored car. And, you know, the reverberations, 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 and then there's a massive collision at the end with these two men. So, you know, reverberations and reverberations. So, you know, it's, it's just as as many parts of are in, in heat, there's a great symmetry there as well. That sort of, you know, there's always a reflection in heat. There's always a flip side. There's always, there's, a, there's often dualities and, you know, there's, there's the yes no of, of what you do in a certain moment or left or right so you know it always it's that endures to the end the film never comes close to sort of lessening itself to conclude or to you know do something as as simple as wrap up i mean it carries itself through the whole way and you know even here 164th minute there's no lessening of what it intends to do 
and there's no shortcuts and there's no there's no sense that you know you're going to get release or anyone can get release you're going to get a conclusion and you, whether you take your satisfaction is a completely different question <laughs> well it's a question that we're hopefully going to answer in the next two minutes ladies and gentlemen huge thank you to craig matheson for being on this journey with me thank you i can't believe i, can't believe, I think it's the fourth time so four times know, it is four it's a it's been a it's a small perfectly formed journey for me i think you know we started with ashley judd one of her great minutes and now we're here so you know just honored to have, to have been sort of a, a sort of hitchhiker along the path you got picked up occasionally <laughs> well what people might not realize is that you know uh if you're not just hitchhikers you guys are my crew i i with all with everyone in this crew i feel like neil mccauley and I go and ask them to do what, stop whatever they're doing in their lives immediately and give me one answer, yes or no, because I know they're cool. You're still cool? They're cool. <laughs> and they come along on this journey. And uh, Craig, um, to just stare behind the curtain for a second, has done a couple of things for me that I could only ask Craig to do um, because I think so highly of him in his work is that I've asked him to follow Manola Dargis, which a lot of people uh, wouldn't be up to. <laughs> and I thank him deeply for that. And I asked him to talk about this minute because I genuinely, um, I genuinely have had an incredible time talking to Craig. So thank you, mate. I've had an incredible time talking to you on this podcast. I've been really energized and jived and um, really glad that we've um, developed a friendship around the show. Um, and I thought when it's coming to these, you know, this moment that's got such an amazing gravitas for me personally and we're coming to the crescendo, I'm like, there's one person I'd really like to talk to just because I think your insights are incredible on this and you're a heat diehard fan. Um, and, you know, and I think you've got a still from the first minute of the movie as your header on Banner Image on Twitter and it's been there for the entire time that this show's been in existence. Um, so I, I didn't think there was a better person to, uh, to help me in this run-up there's uh, we've got some great episodes coming up and i wanted you to be here for this moment because it's it's quite traumatic mate so thank you so much for being a part of it uh it's been a pleasure and i'll i'll stop talking i'm still going to be listening ladies and gentlemen there are two minutes of screen time left on this show next episode i'm joined by an incredible i've just there's a slight passing of a baton the man I'm talking to, I believe, is Australia's premier film critic um, and has been for many years, and I'm uh, honoured to know him. And the next guy is someone who's an up-and-coming American film critic who's been on the show once and tried to break Joe Lynch's record of the most talking in one single minute. His name's Travis Woods. Um, I think a baton is going to be passed beautifully between these two gentlemen. So for those of you, I never usually um, tell you who's on the next episode, but for this one, I thought it might be special. So... From 164 to 165, we'll catch you on another episode of One Eight Minute, just around the corner. <laughs>